Welcome, everybody, to the Assuminati podcast, the podcast that explores everyday topics with the assumption that a conspiracy may be at hand. I'm Brandon. I'm Bobby. I'm Matt. Let's do this. And now the continuation of our JFK assassination conspiracy episode. Enjoy. Now, another theory here, gentlemen, one that, that comes up quite often with not only the Kennedy assassination, but, but it's still, to this day, uh, you talk about the Ukraine war, you talk about war in general. It, it's said by some that the military may have been behind the assassination. More specifically, maybe you've heard this term before, the military-industrial complex theory comes comes up quite often. So let, let's talk about it related to the JFK assassination. So it involves the idea that entities within the United States military and defense industries, so these are people making money off of the military, supporting the military, they were the ones behind the killing of JFK, President John F. Kennedy. So this theory is named after a term that was famously used by President Dwight D. Eisenhower in his farewell farewell address just a few years earlier in 1961 to warn people against the undue influence of a combined military and industrial sector on public policy. So according to these theories, the leaders within these industries and the military were dissatisfied with Kennedy's policies and saw him as being insufficiently aggressive against the Soviet Union, for example, and other perceived threats. Maybe you remember the the nuclear scare, the Cuba missile or the Cuban missile crisis. You name it. That there was a lot of a lot of heat, a lot of tension in the world at that time. They felt Kennedy was insufficiently applying pressure to our enemies. And he was also looking to end Vietnam. There was a partial test ban treaty with the Soviets, which aimed to de-escalate the nuclear arms race. These are often cited as, as ways that he made these industries mad, that, that he ruffled the feathers of the military-industrial complex. So what do you guys think of that? Uh, they have a lot of power, a lot of money, a lot of influence. Well, most presidents... Don't mess with the military on either side of the aisle. Right. And, you know, living where I'm at now around a lot of different military bases and stuff, the military is going to do what they want to do. And there's lots of money funding it. And I don't know. I personally think that, like, there's more to it than the average day citizen even has a clue of what's involved with our military today. Yeah, I agree with that. It's hard to know because there's no transparency, <laughs> you know, still. And think about back in the, <clears throat> excuse me, in the days of, of Kennedy and Johnson and Eisenhower, there was even less transparency. Yep. But, you know, one, one guy that was a supporter, a total supporter of the military, uh, and the money that was being spent was Lyndon B. Johnson, who was, an unelected president um, because nobody liked him. <laughs> he was kind of <laughs> caught in the, oh, that's my impression. Oh, I wasn't around during this time, but I'm just saying after watching some of the documentaries I've watched, the guy just didn't have a very high uh, approval rating. People didn't really love him. Uh, we went from 
the old regime with Eisenhower, who was the oldest president, oldest elected president, to John F. Kennedy, who was the youngest elected president, um, all during that time, right? And here's this guy sitting off to the side, Lyndon B. Johnson, who was a supporter of all of the military stuff that was happening, a supporter of involvement in um, Vietnam, uh, a supporter of basically everything that went against what President Kennedy was for. And he's his vice president. So I think if you want to talk about a theory, the Lyndon B. Johnson theory um, is the one where I would start. It's my favorite theory. Um, favorite being that it's the most likely, in my view, uh, as the person responsible for organizing basically the hit on John F. Kennedy. And that's the theory that he was the guy behind everything, right? And when you look at the interviews that have been given since within the Kennedy family, this includes RFK Jr. today. This includes uh, interviews with Jackie Kennedy herself, the wife of John F. Kennedy. They they were highly suspicious of Lyndon B. Johnson for years and years and years. It it didn't feel yeah. right to them either, Matt. So I, I, I don't think you're the only one here who... Well, they were close to it, so they could yeah. see that there was a tense relationship between both the Kennedys, so John Kennedy and Bobby Kennedy, with Lyndon B. Johnson. And and so they felt like this guy was always seen as kind of like the outsider. You know, you got these two brothers that are super close and super tight, but then they've got a tense relationship with the vice president, who, by the way, is good friends with, with Hoover, uh, with all these other people that are kind of running the show in other aspects, you know, the, the mafia's ties, all of that stuff. Um, and think about where this was. Where did this happen? In Texas. Who was a representative from Texas? <laughs> Lyndon B. Johnson, who had all the Texas contacts. Lyndon B. Johnson, who chose the Warren Commission by hand. <laughs> who were all one. of his buddies. Yeah. LBJ. And who... And, and was this commission um, leaving stuff out? Obviously and clearly. And even our government found that later on. Um, so to me, uh, if we're going to talk about a smoking gun and who is behind it all, that's my opinion. Well, and I don't know if we mentioned this or not, but um, Johnson had also run for president along with JFK um, but he came in second on the on the ballot from the the Democratic National Convention. So, um, yeah, JFK ended up picking him to be his running mate in the overall election. And so it makes you wonder, you know, was he think you know just had that syndrome of always a bridesmaid but never a bride, and this was his way to become president? Yeah, well, and from Kennedy's perspective, you know, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Maybe he needed to keep. LBJ close to kind of keep an eye on things, you know, maybe, maybe that was it, but there were so many significant differences, even on the, you know, we talked politically and we talked, uh, you know, the war, all of those things that to me, it just seems like the obvious choice that, um, you know, all the military advisors were on LBJ's side, you know, all of, uh, um, you know, any, any of these theories, if you go down those roads at all, you know, the CIA director was, was in cahoots. Um, you know, the, even the secret service that was kind of at the behest of LBJ as well, who were 
out there cleaning the car as soon as it rolled into the hospital who were demanding that Kennedy's body um, be autopsied in Bethesda and not right there at Parkland Memorial Hospital. You know, all of those things. And I, I think the guy even, um, you know, from the Secret Service threatened force against the doctor who wanted to do the autopsy there. I mean, that's those are documented facts. Yeah. Well, and presidents don't always pick a VP as their running mate who they actually like, um, which I think kind of goes contrary to what you would think that like, oh, they're running together. They must be great friends and allies. But, you know, it's actually a strategy of, you know, picking a vice president that will help you get a demographic that may or may not vote for you. So um, JFK picking Lyndon B. Johnson got him the support of people probably in Texas and some other support that he may otherwise not have, have received. Yep. Agreed. Okay. So speaking of governments, gentlemen, another thought is that foreign governments may have had something to do with the assassination. So the former government's theory related to JFK's assassination is a broad category. So we'll try and narrow it down to just a few here, just a few conspiracy theories involving these foreign nations. So four nations that are often mentioned during this time period, as far as uh, people who did not like JFK, JFK may have ruffled their feathers, so to speak, are Cuba and the Soviet Union, definitely due to the geopolitical context of the, the key events during that presidency. We've already kind of mentioned this already. Uh, we've got the Cuba theory pointing to Fidel Castro, the leader of Cuba at the time. Uh, He may have ordered that assassination in retaliation for the Kennedy administration's repeated attempts to remove him from power. So uh, for those of you who remember the Michael Jordan meme, something, something happens. And I took that personally. Well, okay. So, (laughs) and and let's, let's put Fidel's face on that meme. He he took it personally that JFK and, and the CIA attempted to remove him, quote unquote, from power. Uh, We mentioned Bay of Pigs. There's an operation Googleable. Uh, I'll use that word now. Googleable. Operation Mongoose is another thing that you can look into. Basically, just looking to destabilize the government within Cuba to to insert the a more favorable regime. So again, Lee Harvey Oswald may have been the the tip of the spear for that type of an assassination attempt. But again, no definitive evidence have come has come forward linking Cuba to this type of an assassination. Uh, Castro himself even denied involvement. And then there's, of course, the Soviet Union. We know tensions were high. Iron Curtain had been drawn. The theory involving the Soviet Union suggests that the USSR had Kennedy killed due to the heightened tensions, due to the Cold War. So uh, there's the Cuban Missile Crisis that we mentioned earlier. Oswald obviously had ties to the Soviet Union attempting to uh, to start and join groups associated with that, attempting to become a citizen, married a Russian lady. Uh, so again, all sorts of ties to the Soviet Union, to communism, to Cuba. So uh, I think it makes sense to a lot of people that, that the foreign government theory comes into play here, even with Oswald involved. Uh, any, any thoughts on that, gentlemen? Foreign governments. Yeah, if you if you look at the Russian thing, well, and the Cuban thing, right? Russia was in cahoots with Cuba, 
right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And in, in fact, the years before, kind of leading up to this in 61 and 62, with the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, that was where Russian missiles, nuclear missiles, were sent to Cuba. And Cuba had them within launching range of the United States. Cuba's not that far, folks, from the U.S. territory. Um, and these these nuclear warheads were aimed and within striking distance of the United States. And Russia was there kind of, you know, pulling the strings along with Cuba. And so both of them were in cahoots with each other threat uh, and a huge threat to the u.s <clears throat> and no again don't take my word for it just look up the cuban missile crisis and you can find out all all yeah. about that stuff Talk, talking to the generation that came right before us i mean they had drills that they would do as school children preparing yep for a cuban missile strike um well when uh, you Russian, look at that yeah. stuff too the the whole um you know khrushchev i think was the russian Mm. Uh, president right and and he was <laughs> i i used to kind of give this this one the soviet union um you know theory a little bit more credit but after watching a few of the documentaries about that whole relationship with khrushchev and and kennedy um it started out rocky in 61 uh 62 was the year that kennedy kind of smooth things over a bit. You know, I think Khrushchev thought he could kind of bully Kennedy around and kind of took that approach, but then realized quickly that Kennedy wasn't going to be bullied. And in fact, shot back with some very pointed talks uh, and, and everything else that was like, you know, you are not going to get under my skin. You're just not going to do it. And I think at that point, so between 62 and 63, they mended their fences and they and they kind of were working things out, which makes me think that there was no there's not really any more motive for the Soviet Union to do anything to John Kennedy. It felt like um, they were mending things up and, and kind of moving in the same direction and away from the violence, um, the violent rhetoric that they had leading up to 1963. So while Kennedy and Khrushchev were mending fences. Kennedy was breaking down barriers with one other popular group or not so popular group, I guess, but the federal reserve. And that theory Ooh. is this, and it's a lesser known theory. Um, but the theory is this, um, it suggests that Kennedy was assassinated because he was planning to limit the power of the federal reserve system. And we've talked about the federal reserve cartel. Well, we, have. Uh, we have, we yeah. have, uh, right, the central banking system in the United States, and maybe that's a good chance for you to go back and listen to to our banking episode, uh, where we break down kind of the creation of the Federal Reserve. You can check that out. Um, but proponents of this theory, the Federal Reserve theory, uh, will cite the executive order that Kennedy signed on June fourth, in nineteen sixty three. Um, the order delegated to the Secretary of Treasury the President's authority to issue silver certificates under the Thomas Amendment of the Agricultural Adjustment Act. Now, what that means is it would have decreased the Federal Reserve's power over the money supply, um, which supposedly put Kennedy at odds, obviously, with the banking interests who then orchestrated the assassination. Um, however, 
There are some misconceptions about this executive order and the nature of the U.S. monetary system. So in reality, the order was a a technicality that was part of a broader ongoing plan to eliminate silver certificates from circulation in favor of the Federal Reserve notes, our dollar. Uh, This policy was not initiated by Kennedy, but had been ongoing since the 30s, 1930s. Furthermore, the order didn't strip any powers away from the Federal Reserve, so they could still maintain their power. Um, But the notion, it was part of the plan by Kennedy to take back control of the monetary system from the Federal Reserve is just not based on factual evidence. And that's why it doesn't get a whole lot of traction. Yeah, and I mean, as fun as it would be that, you know, these elite families that we talked about a few weeks ago um, control the money supply and stuff, and they wanted to, you know, take out JFK, I I think this one's harder to get behind because, I mean, I I don't know that the facts support why they would be so angry that they, they want to take him out. Well, when you have that power, when you have a little bit of a little taste of power, and you've got somebody threatening to take a little bit of that power away. It could be a motivator. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Motive, yeah, motive, I see motive. what you're saying. Follow the money. <laughs> Follow the money literally, trail. Literally on, this, yeah, on that specific thing. That's a brand new one for me. One that I, I find really interesting. Uh, again, f- uh, w- when I think of the most powerful conspiracy theories that exist today, follow the money is a pretty good... <laughs> recommendation and this this is literally about the money um when you mess with the money you you make a lot of people mad and and can really affect that power and no that's a good one thanks for bringing that one up yeah so um so there's also a theory that the secret service agent um by the name of george hickey that he accidentally shot jfk and this was popularized in a 1999 and this was popularized in a 1992 book called Mortal Error, The Shot That Killed JFK. Um, that was written by Bonner Menninger, and the book was based on the work of Howard Donahue. He's a firearms expert who was investigating the assassination. Yeah, so Donahue and Menninger suggest that after the first shot by Lee Harvey Oswald or whoever was in the sixth floor of the school book, depository uh which they proposed struck both kennedy and governor Connolly. the secret service agents in the following car reacted um so th- just to give you a kind of a heads up here so behind kennedy's car was a secret service car and behind that car was our friend the vice president and his crew just just keep that in mind according to their theory uh hickey who was in the car, in the follow car, uh, picked up an AR-15 rifle to return fire, I guess, to the sixth floor of the school book depository. It doesn't say that, but according to their theory, Hickey, who was in that car, picked up the AR-15 rifle. Uh, However, they suggested that Hickey lost his balance when the car was accelerating suddenly. So you can kind of see that in the Zapruder film um, when the car speeds up. Right. And that's the same time that uh, he, you know, allegedly inadvertently discharged his weapon. According to this theory, the bullet was uh, the one that shot and struck Kennedy in the head. 
Okay, so it's this theory is extremely controversial for several reasons. First, there was no substantial evidence to back it up. Second, it contradicts the official Warren Commission report, which we decided is bunk anyway, um, <laughs> which concluded that Lee Harvey Oswald fired all the shots from this Texas school book depository, all three shots within th three seconds or whatever, impossible. So additionally, critics of this theory have noted that all the other agents in the motorcade, as well as spectators along the route, failed to report any shots coming from the Secret Service vehicle. So there's also the fact that the AR-15 rifle uh, Hickey was carrying fired a different kind of ammunition uh, than what was found in Kennedy's body. Okay, the theory was also brought into wider public sphere in 2013 release of a documentary called, and everyone should watch this, so pay close attention, it's called JFK, The Smoking Gun. Uh, however, it remains largely discredited from and in academic uh, and investigative community. Yeah. So, you know, watching that, that smoking gun, when you recommended it, um, this was the, the first time I'd really thought about this theory. And, you know, it seems that even if this was accidental, based on witnesses and, you know, the proximity and the smelling of gunpowder, this could totally be a plausible theory. Yeah. And I just want to add to, I mean, I don't know if we want to go down this road, but my thought is that this could have been a purposefully uh, done shot, right? Maybe not so much an accident to aim this AR-15 and nail the president in the head. Um, who's to say it wasn't taken as a, a, a purposeful shot? Who's to say that? And the other thing too is um, when you when you have witnesses in the following car that happen to be the vice president that can see everything happening in front of them. Um, all I can say is that it's interesting that the vice president wouldn't have had more to say about this. Um, you know, he he remained quiet about all of that. As well as all of the members of his car. Yep. Yeah, it's interesting. It, again, I'll, I'll just mention that documentary one more time. JFK, The Smoking Gun. I found it on Amazon Prime when I watched it. I believe it's available on Tubi, Pluto, Voodoo, <laughs> Freevee. Voodoo. Uh, yeah, Freevee. That's another one. I, I personally found it on Amazon. It is a very well done, very convincing documentary on this theory. And like you said, Matt, the, if this truly did happen, a secret service cover up makes sense. If Hickey accidentally shot Kennedy, a cover up makes sense. If Hickey intentionally cover uh shot Kennedy, a cover up makes sense. So either way, uh, the the actions of the CIA, the secret service in that hospital kind of point to a cover-up the, the way that they intimidated and and uh took over the inspection and autopsy of 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 the president uh, again i don't want to steal too much thunder from that documentary highly recommended do not watch it with children in the room but uh they do oh, review crap. some of that live live footage I totally did watch the whole thing with my kids coming in around <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually, my kids were were there too. I, I had to cover up a few scenes from the actual shot, 
but uh, it, it is super intriguing, even to the younger generation, uh, this, this type of a story. So again, that, that documentary was very eye-opening, very convincing, but we'll let you be the judge of that either way. So let's just dive a little bit further into the evidence, make sure we're covering everything that we need to cover here. Um, so when it comes to the JFK assassination, evidence is pretty crucial, especially when it shapes our understanding of what truly happened. Uh, so from eyewitness testimonies to forensic analysis, every piece of evidence adds to this crazy puzzle. Yeah, for sure. And one piece of evidence that's often debated is the famous Zapruder film. Um, it was a home movie that was capturing the assassination. Um, the people, you know, were just there watching the motorcade and, you know, filming. Um, and some theorists argue that it shows JFK head. Some theorists argue that it shows JFK's head moving backward, suggesting that a shot came from the front. Wow. Yeah, that Abraham, uh, is it Abraham Zapruder, I think, was his name? The source um, of the movie, yes. Yep. Yeah, he was the guy that was filming it. It was obviously 1960s technology, so it produced a grainy piece of footage uh, that fueled all of these different debates, right? Seeing kind of how his head responded. But anyway, it's kind of like watching Bigfoot footage of uh <laughs> yeah it's the what they consider bigfoot footage for the jfk assassination yeah and yet that's probably the most watched the most scrutinized the most used film from that from that incident dang that's one way to put it so another piece of evidence that i don't believe we mentioned quite yet here is the magic bullet theory uh so uh, depending on how many shots you believed <laughs> were to have been taken in, in this assassination attempt. This theory suggests that a single bullet caused multiple wounds to both JFK and Governor Connolly. It is heavily covered in most of the documentaries that, that you'll watch on JFK, mm -hmm. the magic bullet theory, especially the one that we keep mentioning, JFK, the smoking gun. It, it covers this in, in detail. Uh, again, worth a, worth a watch. The magic bullet theory comes up quite a bit. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, this magic bullet theory, you know, has been viewed from many different angles, but, you know, it became the magic bullet theory because, you know, based on how they were understanding their position in the car and where the gun was, the, the bullet would have had to have taken a turn to hit the governor. Um, but then the, the opposite side of that is, well, based on how they were sitting and the angle in this weird car, I mean, why don't we have three-row cars anymore? But um, Governor Connolly was actually sitting at a lower level and the seat was shifted slightly. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, yeah. that kind of debunks the magic bullet theory. Um, but the thing that I thought was really compelling, and I don't know if you guys listen to Joe Rogan very much, but, you know, listening to the interview he did with a guy who was talking about this theory of how, you know, the bullet went through, you know, JFK hit the governor and, Joe Rogan was kind of brutal about how well the bullet would have had a lot more damage had it hit bone and gone through both of them. So, you know, I personally think the magic bullet theory is kind of bunk. It's, it's yeah. interesting. Bull ballistics experts uh, have gone about this both ways. As far as lining it up, it makes sense. Bullets do crazy things. They're spinning at thousands and thousands of RPM. Um, and you're right. The damage is is debatable here 
so that 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 really is an interesting theory. If you believe that. that there was one gunman, then you believe in this theory, and you're an idiot. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. And I'm just you're kidding. wrong. Wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you but heard it here. I mean, <laughs> no, no. But if you believe in 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 a one shooter theory then you essentially buy this magic bullet theory, which means this bullet went through Kennedy, came out Kennedy, went in Connolly, came out Connolly, went in Connolly again, came out of Connolly again, and it somehow ended up pristine and on the gurney at the hospital where they discovered it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was on display I mean, during believe the that, Warren. I got a bridge to sell you. That's yeah, during I mean... the Warren review, the uh, if you want to call it that. Yeah, uh, you've got this almost perfectly intact bullet, and uh, anyway, yeah, Bob. Well, they've got to have a way to explain it, right? Because, you know, I don't know if you guys have shot high-powered rifles before, Mm. but the bolt-action rifle that Oswald was using, um, or uh, supposedly Oswald from the the book repository in the 6.4, based on eyewitnesses, the short amount of time between the gunshots, like... I don't know. I don't think I could have, you know, the first shot, sure, you could get it off. But then to, you know, maneuver that gun and get it shot again and to have a good aim again, like, to me, that I think that would be a hard sell. And you had had mainstream news outlets try and recreate that. Um, Again, covered in many of the documentaries that you'll watch is how difficult the first shot was, let alone the repeating shots. And so uh, when it comes to the actual controversy surrounding the autopsy, I mean, we, we've kind of talked about that a little bit here, the discrepancies in the wound descriptions. So when you look at that Warren Commission report based on the autopsy findings, they concluded that Kennedy was struck by two bullets fired from above and behind him uh, from the, that book depository. And then you've got the witnesses of the doctors at Parkland Hospital who initially treated Kennedy describe his wounds, in a, his wounds in a way that some believe suggest shots could have come from other directions. So it's just one of those things where that autopsy was so crucial and yet did not happen until that body was transferred officially, at least, to the Bethesda Naval Hospital the evening of his, uh, of his assassination. And when it did happen, finally, in Bethesda, it was performed by military pathologists who had zero experience with gunshot wounds. <laughs> exactly. So they I'm just saying, like the usual practice would be for it to be handled by a forensic pathologist specializing in crime-related deaths, but should have been done in at Parkland. That's all I'm yep. saying. Absolutely. Yeah, moving the body kind of, you know messes with the evidence i think a little bit it messes with that evidence it creates suspicion of a cover-up it it points a lot of different directions other than it should have normally the autopsy should have been conducted right then and there in that hospital but instead was flown to maryland uh, then there's of course the the autopsy photos and x-rays some claim that the autopsy photos and x-rays were either tampered with or do not match the descriptions given by doctors present at the autopsy. And so critics are pointing to the fact that some photos that were taken during the autopsy uh, have never been released or have been, quote-unquote, lost. 
Yeah, they were that. confiscated right there. <laughs> exactly. at the, no, they they seriously were. The yeah. military that were in the autopsy room at the time took everyone's photos that they that they took, and that's documented yeah. proof too. There were Secret so Service. Whatever agents. happened to those? Yeah. Nobody knows. Secret Service agents assigned to the body, and they controlled everything within those hospital rooms, both in Parkland as well as Bethesda. And they, they, they took names, they took notes, they took items. Um, I, again, th- those are witnesses that from, from multiple reports that, that conclude that. And then there's the uh, a little bit more graphic topic of the actual missing brain tissue of President Kennedy. And so <laughs> President Kennedy's brain removed during the autopsy was not present in the National Archives when the autopsy materials were transferred there. The whereabouts of this critical piece of evidence still remains unknown to this day. Quote, unquote, unknown, right? I mean, who's keeping a brain in a jar or whatever? Like, honestly, they probably disposed of the brain, and that's why it's missing. Well, if that brain contained fragments of, of bullets that were not officially in, in any report, maybe the yeah, you'd probably want to keep that out of the, the public well, view. Well, as we wrap up today's episode, let's reflect on the enduring fascination and impact of the JFK assassination conspiracy. The assassination of JFK remains a haunting moment in history, shrouded in conspiracy theories and unanswered questions. It's a reminder of how the human mind seeks meaning and explanations, even in the face of complexity. So, gentlemen, what do you think really happened? Well, I think Oswald was definitely involved. I don't think he was the only person involved for many reasons. Um, but probably the most, probably one of the most damning pieces of evidence that says Oswald was somewhat involved was the fact that he killed a police officer um, after that. Like, why would he kill a police officer if he, you know, wasn't somewhat doing something shady? Um, but then the the second thing that tells me there was more to it is this whole Jack Ruby thing. Um, and I think based on Jack Ruby's ties to the mob and owning a nightclub, I think the mob had a lot more, and the mafia had a lot more to do with this. Um, so that that's where I'm going to stand is I think this was a mafia hit. I think it was LBJ. I think he was responsible for everything. I think he organized everything. I think he kept it secret, involved the Secret Service, involved the CIA, uh, and his other contacts as all of his Texas people um, that he had, that he chose to be on the Warren Commission, that were inept. Um, that's where that's where I lie. LBJ. Yeah, that's interesting. And I'll, I'll repeat some of my thoughts from the moon landing episode as far as how I feel about this. Now, there are a lot of people that had to have been involved in this to keep quiet. There had to have been a lot of people that had to ha- have to keep quiet in order for this conspiracy theory to last or, or to be successful. And so I, I do lean more towards uh, a deranged Oswald with some something bigger than himself. It, it was bigger than just one man here. And I, I don't know where to put my finger on it here. I will say JFK, the smoking gun, I'll mention that documentary one more time. They are not a sponsor, not giving us a kickback. Please watch it because Matt's theory here is very interesting and should be considered. Um, uh, Just the the way 
that they could have been involved in. Then again, actions speak louder than words. The actions of the Secret Service after the assassination are, I, I believe they're deafening. I believe something bigger happened here and, and perhaps a cover-up is, is a, real, a real possibility. But like the moon landing, um, I think the, uh, and tell me if I'm wrong here, gentlemen, the patriotic view on the moon landing is, of course we landed on the moon. USA, USA. I think the patriotic answer here for the JFK assassination is it was crazy Oswald and that's it. USA, USA, USA. Am I wrong there? Well, I, I think that it goes that way is people don't want to believe that there could be something more sinister at play. Because exactly if right. something bigger like some of these conspiracies actually happen, that makes you really have to question everything else. And so oftentimes I think people will take the the stance of, well, there can't be anything that bad going on because I don't want to believe there could be something that bad going on. And is it unpatriotic to think that my government may have lied to me? Uh, that's, <laughs> again, yeah, I, I think we... Trusting. We've been, they, they use that angle often when it comes to a lot of these conspiracy theories is that patriotic outlook here. It, am I unpatriotic if I think that there could be something bigger here, something happening behind the scenes? I, I think, unfortunately, we or, may be skewed. Yeah. Or are you truly patriotic? Because think about how this country was founded and it was questioning you know, the British and the taxes and stuff like that. So those founding I, fathers, man, they took some names, right? They, yeah, they questioned <laughs> things and things they didn't agree with. So, um, yeah, we should do more of that in this country. Question what our government's doing, have more of a say in, in what's going on. Make sure you're voting for people that will actually do a good job. Even though I personally, when we get closer to election, I hope we do a couple episodes on, how, you know, nobody good actually runs. So, you know, <laughs> doesn't matter who you vote for. It's all crap. That's a whole True. series, sir. That, whole that's series. Just one episode. The, you know, leading up to <laughs> the elections. The November election series coming to a podcast near you. Love it. That was quite the subject to dive into. Gentlemen, that, that was a lot. <laughs> it was probably Hence one the... of our deeper, deeper episodes. And rightfully so. Yeah, I sure. mean, this... This, again, has, uh, it's the biggest, in my opinion, controversy that there is to dive into as far as the, the amount of media that one can consume and the different angles that one can consider. Uh, this, this is a big one. This is kind of the big one. Hence the length of the episode. But, gentlemen, that, that wraps up this lengthy episode on the JFK assassination conspiracy. So thank you once again for diving into that with us. You, you, you gentlemen, have yourself a, a good night. Yeah, you too. You too, brother. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Assuminati Podcast. Remember, you can find us on all of your favorite podcast streaming services. Be sure to hit that like button. We recommend subscribing with notifications so you don't miss an episode. And be sure, of course, to share with your friends. We'd also love to interact with you on social media as we post and prepare for our weekly episodes. Until next time on the Assuminati Podcast. I was thinking about it all week because I'm, you're hiking, right? You guys have been in national parks. So you're flying yeah. past people and you see 
there's one in every group. Somebody's wearing a band t-shirt. So I'm like, oh, I guarantee that girl does not know a Slayer song. Or that person does not know a Black Sabbath song. Or, you know, all these metal t-shirts. Sometimes, like when you just catch people off guard, they're like, uh, I just forgot everything I've ever known. Right, exactly. Which That's what happened to me. The, it's half the reason it's funny, is we all go through that, right? We all... Unless it... Not me. Like a, uh, if I'm going to wear the shirt... I'm going to know rip it. All right, Matt. Rip it. What are five episodes of the Assuminati podcast? <laughs> the Diablo challenge, the chicken sandwich challenge, one, two, and three. You want me to keep going? He's already up to four there, Bobby. That's pretty good. <laughs> that was cheating. <laughs> we talk- that wasn't <laughs> the actual titles. Just that was so a you know. Yeah, it was. No, no, it was Arby's yeah. Diablo Dare. I love how he went. I love how he went straight to food, and that—that's that, yeah, that me. Yeah, I always do. That's, that's, that's the problem, badass. right? Yeah.